Good morning. Today we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. If you have your Bible, want to open there. Mark chapter 10 is where we're going to be as we're talking about kingdom priorities. All of us have priorities in life, yes or no? Yeah, we all do. That's just the way we go through life. That's the way we just sort of set things up. There are things that matter more than others. And that's what a, a priority is. It is a thing that is regarded as more important than the other. If you think about your life, you know that there are things like that. There are things like paying the bills and planning for your future and your family that are more important than, say, going to a ball game or even a vacation, something like that. All of us have different priorities in our lives. And so I was thinking about that uh, this week and about the priorities that we have in life. And so I decided to just go online, and I think I typed in priorities of life, and, you know, the great philosophers at Yahoo have provided us with some great answers. And so, you know, I went to Yahoo Answers uh, on, on priority, and I got four or five different people that sort of listed their top five or six priorities uh, for So here's Vi's answers on priorities. Uh, education, that's a good one. Boyfriend, uh, apparently she's in a serious relationship. Family and friends, that's a good one. Uh, traveling, health, and exploring. Now, then you look at those, and that's, that's a pretty good list of priorities, yes or no? Yeah, it's not bad, not bad. So Vi's got some pretty good answers. Well, then here is always right answers on priorities. Uh, getting my ideas out there was priority number one. Teaching people stuff, priority number two. Priority number three, giving humanity a healthy kick forwards in terms of knowledge and civilization. I don't know really what that means, but as I look at those three, they seem to all be falling under teaching people stuff and could have had more room for other priorities. But either way, always writes like this. And of course, you know, uh, you would love to sit under somebody who thinks they are always right, because at least, you know, they think about what they're teaching you. And then lastly, always writes last priority, and I like this one the best, being awesome. That's a good priority in life, too. To be awesome, yes or no? Come on, yes or no? That's a good one. Being awesome, I like that. So I like always rights, priorities. All right, well, this one is question marks, answers on priorities. They didn't choose to leave a name. Uh, family, love, friendship, and self-esteem and self-respect. Now, that's a pretty, pretty common uh, list of priorities. You know, we can relate to a lot of those, and those are fairly general. You know, the last one, self-esteem. This is a person who uh, values self-esteem. It might have been someone who struggled with self-esteem at some point in their life and uh, just feels that it is a very important thing to have a good personal uh, outlook on their life. And then there also was respect, and I don't know if they meant a, a self-respect or if they meant uh, a respect for others. Either way, though, that's a pretty good list of, of priorities. Uh, here's answers on priorities. God, family, school, health, and friends. And again, that's a pretty good list, yes or no? Pretty good list of priorities. Again, it's fairly general, but that's a pretty good list. Uh, and then lastly, we have Prino the Great. 
on priorities. And these are really great. Uh, priority number one for uh, Mr. the Great, manatees. I don't really know what to say. Got to save those manatees. The cow of the sea. Got to protect them, though. They are a protected species. So, all right, Tim, you can relate to this one, though. You, you are a marine biologist, so maybe Prino the Great is one of Tim's colleagues, or at least he could be at this point, but when you make number two, you realize probably not because <laughs> it's McDonald's. Priority number two is McDonald's. Not, I, just, I, I don't know. Uh, priority number three from uh, Prino is uh, my girlfriend that I don't have. Okay, all right. Well, you know, at least we know when he gets one, she'll be a priority. Okay, I think every girl to be, a, you know, a, a thing to have happen. All right, uh, priority number four, maintaining over a 1.2 GPA. Uh, you know, hey, we have to set goals in life, right? All of us must set goals, and our goals must be attainable, right? You know, I mean, just writing your name on stuff will get you that one. Uh, but this was his goal, you know, and also, let's give him some credit, too. It's also good to be self-aware, is it not? I mean, that may be shooting high for him. Uh, especially if you've got like a 0.1. Uh, so anyways, maintaining over a 1.2 GPA, and last but not least, never dying. Um, never dying in McDonald's, I'm not sure how those are going to work together. Uh, they don't seem to complement one another. Uh, they don't seem to complement uh, one another very well. Uh, as you look through that list, and as you think about your own life, we have different priorities each of us have different priorities and you know as you were going through those there were probably some on there that you could relate to yes or no yeah there were some on there that you could relate to I mean all of us are concerned about our family uh, all of us have priorities with uh, the relationships with our friends uh, with our, our future and making sure that everything is okay there uh, others are concerned about our our uh, our, our church involvement and our relationship with God and, and, and Jesus. But yet, sometimes, if we're honest, we can get things out of order. Yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. And there were a couple of these that I looked at. I, I couldn't include all, all of them, obviously. But there was a couple of them that were, you know, the same basic list, family, friends, things like that. And then the last one, number five on one person's list, was, was God. And you know, as church people, our immediate response is, why would they put God last? And, you know, I, I, you know, that was my response initially, too. But then I got to thinking, you know what, that really is probably a, a, a very honest answer for that, that person. And the truth is, while God and our relationship to Him and our relationship to Jesus should be first and foremost, a lot of times it's not because we let things like, like family and and friends and manatees and things like that get over-prioritized over the top of God. You know what I'm talking about? We get our priorities out of whack, okay? We get things all out of whack when what we should be doing is making sure that first and foremost, we prioritize for the kingdom of God. 
Jesus said something very similar to that in Matthew 6.33 where He said, Seek what? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else you need will be added to you. Jesus promises if you will put Me first, if you'll put the, the seeking of My kingdom first, I'll take care of everything else you need. It doesn't mean that you're going to have just this windfall of you know, uh, financial success or business success or whatever it might be, but it does mean that no matter what comes your way, you will be taken care of. God will make sure that He provides for every single one of your needs. And that's not just our, our physical needs, that's our emotional needs. That's our spiritual needs, that's our mental needs. All of these things that we deal with on a daily basis. But when we get things out of whack, things tend to, to fall apart. And it's because we are not giving God the proper place and the proper uh, respect that He deserves in our lives for what He has done. And so as we talk about kingdom priorities today, we're talking about making sure we get things in the right order. And we're going to come to a story here in Mark chapter 10 that is familiar probably to most of us. It's known as the, uh, it's called the, the rich young ruler. We've probably all heard of that. Now then, uh, the three different, what you call subnoptic gospels, the ones that kind of tell the same stories, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, you know, they kind of, kind of, you push them together and get rich, young, and ruler, and it's only Matthew who tells us that he's young, and it's only Luke that tells us he's a ruler, uh, and Mark is the one that just tells us that, that he's very wealthy, that he's very rich. But it's in this story that Jesus encounters a man who has a tremendous amount of, of wealth, and we see something happen in the exchange, and the man leaves Jesus completely different than any other person we read about who has an encounter with Jesus throughout the Scriptures. And so let's, uh, let's begin reading together. In verse 17. And then we'll make some comments along the way. Uh, Jesus, is, he's just talked about divorce. He has just given the children a blessing. He's just said, don't stop the children from coming to me. In fact, you must become childlike in your faith in order to receive the kingdom of heaven. This is all about kingdom. Okay, he's saying, don't prohibit the children. Don't stop them. Don't keep the children away. Let the children come to me. Okay, because it's that kind of faith that we have to have. And then from there, it says that he begins making his way to Jerusalem. And what that's talking about is he's on his way to Jerusalem to die on the cross for us. And so it says that as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now then, a couple of things are happening there. You have this man who runs to Jesus, falls down before Him, addresses Him as good teacher, and then He asks Him a question. What do I need to do to make sure I have eternal life? Well, in this day and age, in Jesus' day and age, uh, to see a man running this way was considered to be very undignified because he's having to hitch up his robes, he's running, his legs would be uh, bare for everybody to see, and then for him to fall down, kind of prostrate, pop, <laughs> straight, 
Gotta love those. Yes, gotta love those. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Love when those happen. He falls down prostrate before Jesus. Except it was actually prostrate before Jesus. It would be very undignified, much like the use of the word I just used in this setting. Yet, this is what this guy does. Everything he does, the running, the, the, uh, the falling down, the addressing Jesus as good teacher, everything he's doing, all of this communicates um, extravagance. And then he poses to Jesus this question, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And while that's a, a, a good question in one sense of the word, on the other sense, and the way this guy understands and uses this question is not so good. I mean, we all need to ask the question, what do I need to do to get to heaven, right? Okay, we need to know the answer. That's why we come here, to find that answer, that it is in Jesus. But then there's the other side of the coin, and that's the way that this guy is asking it, when he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You see, what this is, is a, it's a shallow it's a shallow view of, of, of salvation. And there are a lot of people who have that misconception of salvation that at the end of time or at the end of their life that God is just going to sit down and, and tally up all of their good deeds, all the great things they did, how many times they were nice to people or held open a door or paid for somebody's lunch or, or you know, didn't give them the finger as they were driving by. You know, they think that God's going to tally up all of that stuff and say, hey, great job, good job, come on into heaven. But that is a, a misconception of, of salvation. That's a works-based salvation. And as the, the story unfolds, we're going to see that that is what this guy is looking at. This is what he believes salvation is, is coming from. That he's got to be able, he can be able to work his way there. And so Jesus answers his question with a question. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. And isn't it interesting that Jesus Christ himself will not allow himself to be referred to as good? He says there's only one that is good. You see, the rabbis, the teachers of this day, they reserved the word good for God and God alone. Jesus was a rabbi, and he knew that it's not about me, it's not about glory for myself, it is about God the Father and all the riches of His grace and His mercy. And so he says, no one is good but one, and that is God. And he says, you know the commandments. And then Jesus gives him an edited version of the Ten Commandments. He says, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, and honor your, your father and mother. And you can imagine what this, 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 this guy was thinking as Jesus is ticking off the different commandments. He's thinking, yeah, I did that one. And I did that one, and I did that one, and I did that one. He's feeling pretty good about himself. As a matter of fact, he responds that way in verse 20 when he says, Teacher, I have kept all of these from my youth. I've done all of those things. But it's interesting to note that Jesus omits some of the commandments. 
some of the commandments like putting God first and not having any idols, not taking the Lord's name in vain, and not coveting things from, from, from someone else. You see, he's, uh, he, he's, he's put out the commandments that, that deal with our relationship to others, but he's left off the commandments that deal with our relationship to God. And that's kind of how the Ten Commandments work. You read the, the first half of them, and it is how we deal with God. You read the second half of the Ten Commandments, and it is how we deal with, with others. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, strength, mind, everything you got. Love your neighbor as yourself. On all these hang the, the law and the prophets. Jesus summed all of that up. He says, if you'll love God with everything, you love man with everything else, you'll cover the entire law. And so you can imagine what this guy is thinking as Jesus is telling him these commandments. He's thinking, I've done that. I'm good. I'm going to heaven because I've done this. I've not murdered anybody. I've not committed adultery. I don't steal. I don't defraud. I've honored my parents. I've done all of these things since I was a kid. See, he's still depending on his works to get him into heaven. But in verse 21, it says, Then looking at him, Jesus loved him. And that, that's important that that's in there. Even in his misunderstanding of, of Scripture, Jesus still loved him. You see, and that's true for us too, because we tend to get things wrong a lot, right? Especially when it comes to Scripture. We've got messy and bad theology. We have wrong theology sometimes. But even in the midst of that, God still loves us, even though we don't completely understand everything. And that's the way it is for this guy. Jesus still loves him. He has compassion on him. And then he gives him a command. He says, you lack one thing. It's actually, really, it's five things. Go, sell all you have, give to the poor, then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. You see, and it's in that statement right there that Jesus turns the entire conversation on its head as he calls him to abandon his, his idol worship and his covetousness. He's saying, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Okay, you might have done all of these other things, but you're not really honoring God. Your God is your wealth. Your God is your possessions. That is what you're dependent upon. This is what you need to do. You need to go. You need to sell everything that you have. You need to give it to the poor. Then come and follow me, and you will have, you will have eternal life. Now then, there have been people that have abused Scripture for years. There are some that have come up with doctrines saying that if you give God everything you've got, He's just going to bless you with you know, unspeakable riches and bountiful wealth and all of these things. And Scripture doesn't really promise that. Scripture promises that if you love God and seek Him, He'll take care of you and He'll provide for your needs. Okay? And, and, and just as the, the, the health and wealth gospel is a twisted version of Scripture, people have taken this story right here and they've twisted it too to say that you can't be rich 
If you have money, you need to give everything away and you need to abandon all of that for a life of poverty. And that is over-speaking. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is speaking to this man's individual situation. He's not saying that, that wealth and, and money are wrong. I mean, we need people with wealth and money, do we not? We need people to help fund the kingdom of God. Okay? This guy, this guy had all of this wealth, all of this money, all of these possessions, and he wasn't doing anything with it. He wasn't using it to further the kingdom. He wasn't using it to help the poor. He was doing no good with it. And what Jesus is doing is he is declaring that nothing must become nothing must become between a person and our devotion to God. Our devotion to God must be first and foremost. Our possessions, our house, our financial holdings, even our own families cannot get between ourselves and our relationship to God. But what happens is a lot of times we do that very thing, don't we? We get our priorities out of whack. We start focusing on our family. And our families, they need to be taken care of. Okay, And God tells us that we are to take care of our family. Okay, that's our first ministry right there is our family. Okay, and we must take care of them, but not at the expense of losing our relationship to God. If we get our relationship to God right, then we can get our relationship with our family right. If we get our relationship with God right, we can get our relationship with our other people, our friends right. If we can get our relationship with God right, then we can at least get our priorities and our perspectives right. Right when it comes to our finances and everything else that, that worries us at night. But we have to make sure that our priorities are right where they need to be. That it's God first, then everything else. When it's God first, everything else will fall into place. So we must prioritize for the, for the kingdom. And then notice verse 22. But he was stunned at this demand. And he went away grieving because he had many possessions. It's a dramatic and drastic contrast to the way he came to Jesus, isn't it? When he came to Jesus, wanting to know what he had to do for salvation, threw everything out the window. He ran when it was considered not a good thing to do in public. He knelt before Jesus. He addressed him as teacher and, and rabbi. It was very extravagant. Yet when Jesus tells him, go and sell all you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me, he goes away saddened because he has great riches and wealth. And you see that that's where his priorities are, are tied up right there. And this is the only person in Scripture that we read about to leave Jesus unfulfilled. He comes to Jesus. Jesus says, here's what you need to do. And he leaves Jesus being unfulfilled. And that helps us to, to, to understand a few things. And it's that salvation, salvation is free. But following Jesus is costly. 
Does that, does that make sense? Salvation is free, but, but following Jesus is costly. It's, Jesus talked about that. He, he told a story about a man in, in Matthew chapter 13. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had, and he bought it. He recognized that everything else that he had paled in comparison to this one great pearl. The sum total of all his possessions did not match the beauty and the value and the greatness of the pearl. And Jesus is telling this story talking about the kingdom of God. He's saying everything else we have, nothing is more important than the kingdom of God. Nothing has more value than your relationship to Jesus Christ and your relationship to God the Father. And when you recognize that, the response is you do whatever you have to do to come in contact with Jesus Christ, to come in contact with God and to make sure you are a part of the kingdom of heaven. And so he said, it's like this guy who finds this great pearl. He realizes its value. He goes and sells everything and then gets that one pearl because it is of greater value than anything else. That's, that's prioritizing. That's prioritizing for the kingdom. There's a guy by the name of uh, Alan Culpepper, and he says this in relation to, to this text. He says, entering the kingdom, inheriting eternal life, or gaining salvation is therefore a paradoxical matter. And what he's talking about is it's, it's, it's a paradox in the way that we view things in our society. Because our society says what matters most is what your holdings are and how much influence you have and how much power that you can exert over things. Okay, That's what gets you success in our world. But in the kingdom of God, it's not like that at all. It's not about those things. And so there's a paradox. He says the kingdom of God... Again, about the kingdom of God, and he says it requires abandoning all pretense and proof of one's virtue, abandoning every other pursuit besides the kingdom of God and everything that might for one security. Remove every temptation and receive the kingdom in childlike simplicity, and still nothing one can do ensures one's salvation. It is entirely a matter of God's goodness a free gift from God. But there is hope. God can save even people like us. You see, while this guy was focused on everything that he had and everything he could do to earn his salvation, Jesus is saying it's not about that. It's not about going through your your, your checklist and making sure that you've done enough stuff. It's not about did I give enough money to my church to get into heaven. It's not about did I attend enough church services. Did I go to enough work parties. It's not about did I read my Bible every single day without missing anything. And while those things are monumentally important, those things will not save you. The only thing that saves is Jesus Christ. Romans talks about that. That it is the grace of God that saves us. The free gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can, can boast about it. 
Salvation is found only through Jesus Christ. And yet thinking about how we sometimes mess up and we get our priorities out of order, there's still hope for us. Just like what was read in, in communion. Romans 5, verse 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't even wait for us to get our own priorities straight. He died anyway. While we, while we were still sinners. And so if I was going to have a, a point this morning, it would be this. Prioritize for the kingdom because you are a priority of the king. Does that make sense? Prioritize for the kingdom because you are a priority of the king. You are so much of a priority that he left the riches of heaven and came down to the, 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 the broken world that we live in. He gave up everything that he had he took on a human nature like we have and then he took on all the sins that you and I have compiled in our time together. And that's not just us. It's everybody, the entire world, the sum total of sin for the world. He took them all upon himself and then died. We are a priority of the king. And so our response our outflow of that understanding should be that we prioritize for the kingdom of God that we recognize the pearl of great price and we do whatever we have to do to get to that pearl to get to Jesus recognizing it's not going to be a works that saves us but it is the gift of God so let's talk about some priority takeaways very quickly and then we'll be done number one following Christ is costly Salvation is free, but following Christ is costly. It will cost you time. It may cost you some of your money. It might cost you some of your energy. It requires giving of yourself. And then lastly, it's not a spectator life. There are so many people that they give their life to Jesus, and they, I, I've seen them do it time and again where they're diligently studying after Him. They're chasing after Him. They want Jesus. They confess Jesus as Lord. They're baptized into His name and then just sit back and like, hey, I got it made in the shade. I got nothing else to do. I'm just going to sit back and wait for Judgment Day. And it's not about doing things because if you don't do them, you're going to lose your salvation. It's about doing things because, man, I recognize how much has been done for me. And my response is to give of my time. It's to give of my effort. It's to give of me. It's to serve daily. It's to take up my cross and follow after Jesus because He has already done that very same thing for me. It is about prioritizing for the kingdom because I am a priority to the King. And so that's what I want to encourage you today. If Jesus is not your priority, reprioritize how many of us how many of us 
mess this up all the time. I know I do. And I know I'm not the only one. In fact, I see some hands around the room. I know I'm not the only one. Why don't we start this day? Why don't we start this day and say, God, I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to put you back where you belong. All these other things, they're important too, God. And if I will honor you first, you will honor me in those things. And so I invite you to do that today. Some of you, you've never made Jesus your priority. You've never given him your life. And I pray that you will do that today, that you will be like the man in search of the pearl, that you'll give up every single thing you have with reckless abandon to get a hold of that pearl to become part of the kingdom of God. Confess Jesus as Lord. Call on his name. Be baptized into his name. Prioritize for the kingdom because you are a priority to the king. We can help you if we can pray for you. If we can baptize you into Jesus this day, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing. We.